Hello, and welcome to Leading Community Colleges in California, a podcast that goes in-depth with California's most effective leaders in higher education in the largest public sector of higher education in the United States, California Community Colleges. I'm your host, Larry Galizio, President and CEO of the Community College League of California. In this episode of Leading Community Colleges in California, I speak with Jennifer Cardone, Executive Director of the California Community College Athletic Association. Following her tenure as Interim Director, which coincided with the beginning of the pandemic and all of the attendant challenges, Cardone was named Permanent Executive Director in December of 2021. In this podcast, Cardone discusses her background as a student athlete, influential experiences and mentors with whom she's worked, and her vision of the California Community College Athletic Association. Join us. Well, Jennifer Cardone, Executive Director of the California Community College Athletic Association, welcome to Leading Community Colleges in California. Thank you, Larry. It's a pleasure to be here. So uh, I know you're a huge fan of our podcast. And um, what we tend to do is, uh, before we talk about some of the issues confronting uh, student athletes and the organization, we'd like to get a sense of our guests' background and and influences. So if you don't mind, uh, if we could start there, my my understanding is you, you grew up on the East Coast of the United States. Is that accurate? That is accurate. I grew up on Long Island. I am a very proud New Yorker. Uh, the youngest of five kids. Um, I was an oops baby. I was definitely an, an accident. Uh, my, my parents were in their 40s when I was born. Uh, my sister was 18 years older than I was. Um, and uh, yeah, grew up with three brothers in between the sisters and uh, played sports ever since I could I can remember. So you were always you were always playing sports and athletics. And then yes. uh, my understanding is softball became a, a primary sport. Softball was a, was my primary sport in, in college, but growing up, I actually played baseball from the time I was like seven or eight till I was 17. I wanted to be the first female major leaguer. Oh, so you played little league. I played little league. Oh, played were you, were you, were you the soul, the soul young, young girl woman, slash um, woman? Uh, not originally. There were probably a handful, but as, as I got older, I was, pretty much the only one and the boys on the other team didn't really like that they 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 uh they teased and uh made you know jokes and all that until I struck them out and then they had to go sit down on the bench but uh yeah so that's really what I wanted to do was play baseball and then I transitioned to softball because I I wasn't gonna physically I wasn't able to at some point so I switched over to the fast pitch softball and uh played was lucky enough to play four years in college and make it to the college world series Week two in barbecue, but we still made it to the college. World wow. Okay. I didn't realize that. So before we go talk about that a little bit more. So you were, sounds like you were a pitcher among other positions when you were in little league. Baseball. Yes. Pitcher, shortstop, catcher, pretty much shortstop and catcher for softball. But yeah, pitcher, shortstop. Fantastic. So you, so you played from, from what ages you played actually fast pitch baseball? Uh, seven or eight till I was 17. Till you were 17? Yeah. So in high school? No, I didn't play in high school. Summer ball. Okay. All Summer right. ball, travel ball. Wow. That's exciting. 
yeah, it was, it was a great experience. Yeah. What did your parents or siblings think? Uh, they didn't, they were very supportive. Yeah. I mean, my dad would try to give me advice when I was on the mound and I shook him off and that wasn't always pleasant when I walked off the mound. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, they were supportive. They were, you know, my, my parents were as many games as they could get to. Um, my, my siblings, they were fine. They, my brothers, they were, yeah, it's just they, what you they did. Were there, yeah, they were out there playing yeah. with me. I mean, they're older. My youngest brother is seven years older than my, the youngest boy is seven years older than me. Okay. So, um, there's not a lot of interaction, but, uh, but they respected my abilities. Um, I know that because when I've uh, been playing baseball or wiffle ball with their kids, you know, and I'm giving advice to my, my nephew to say, Hey, do this or do that. And he looks at his dad, like, who is she? What is she talking about? And I'm like, and he's like, she's good. You should listen to her. She's better than, than I ever was. So, um, but yeah, they're wonderful supports as were the neighbor, you know, the, the neighborhood, people that I grew up with. Excellent. Um, you know, because the, the, a lot of dads were the ones that were coaching, not my dad, but a lot of the dads were coaching and they were all very supportive. Excellent. Yeah. That's pretty cool. So did you live on Long Island that entire time? I went and if yes. so, then when did you, when did you leave? Um, so I lived on Long Island for 20, 20, just shy of 22 years. So I grew up, went to school on Long Island too. I went to Adelphi University, which is a small private liberal arts college in Garden City, New York, which was about 30 miles away from home. Um, but I saw them play softball when I was in eighth grade and had no- Their, their team. Their softball team, yeah. I saw them play softball and that's where I wanted to go. And what I wanted to do was to go to college to play softball. Okay, so um, it was that was, it um, was that was a, if not the major- attraction or goal for you was I want to continue to play. And that's why you chose Adelphi. And that's why I chose college. I've said this many times before. The whole reason I went to college was to play softball. There was no other way for me to play unless I was going to continue with college. Um, And I found out after the fact that one of my brothers had gone to like a semester of community college back on Long Island, but that was it. Other than that, my parents didn't get past the eighth grade, an eighth grade education um, none of my other siblings went to college or anything like oh. that. They're all tradespeople, and so you're you're the first generation, mm-hmm. um, and and unusual in terms of your siblings. Yes, attending college. Okay, so that gives you great insight into a lot of our oh definitely. students at California Community College. Definitely, yeah, it ties okay. in very well. Oh, that's excellent. All right, I, um, so. Adelphi University. How was Adelphi University? How was your experience? I, you know, it was, it was good. I mean, it was, was it perfect? No, 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 no experience is perfect. We didn't have a football team, which like we had lacrosse. Lacrosse was the big, the big uh, draw for, for people, I guess. That was like the, the rough and tumble sport that we had. Um, but, you know, I worked in the athletics department all four years, which I think set me very well oh. up for my career. What did what did you do? Oh, I started with game management. So selling candy and hot dogs at soccer games before I even started classes. That's that's called game management. Well, it's called game management now. Back then, <laughs> it was probably fundraising for the softball team is why okay. we were selling okay. those those, yeah. those, like, those hot dogs and candy. Um, and then I worked for the equipment room. Um, so I was cleaning, I was doing laundry. I was doing yeah. all the athletes laundry. Um, and then I moved up to, uh, the office 
after a couple of years. And one summer I spent as the secretary for the athletic director, which was interesting because what 20 year old does that, but right. they were without somebody. I was work study and it, it all worked out. Um, I got a lot of in, got a lot of exposure to things, scholarships and, you know, scheduling and all those things. And then um, my senior year, I think I worked in sports information. So I was back doing um, st- statistics at games and all the things that a sports information person does, um, writing up reports, you know, or I didn't do so much writing there, but like uh, designing the, the media guides and things like that. Um, and that's kind of how I ended my, my career at Adelphi besides playing softball. Was And did, did they have anything that, like what we see now at some colleges and universities, some kind of sports oh, no. management. It was just, you, you were sort of making it up. You yeah. were just doing, yeah. you were I've, doing, it was not, you didn't then go to a class on theory or economics no. of sports or sociology no, of sports. Like, right. I, I did have a sociology of sport class. Oh. That was the only that was it. athletically related class that I had. Um, but no, they didn't have a program like that, but uh yeah, and it was when the Olympics were going on. So the 1988 Olympics were happening. So I remember we had to write a paper in soci- sociology of sport about the grandiose spectacle of the Olympics, which, which is kind of funny because I think it's become even oh. – actually, most sporting events have become more of a spectacle than they were back – how many years ago was that? 30-some-odd years ago? Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, I didn't have it. But, you know, when I got, I got my master's degree at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln – which is big time sports powerhouse, right? Or at least they used to be in football. Yes. They are in volleyball and uh, softball and some other sports, but they didn't even have, at that time, they did not have like a sports management program, which I thought was kind of interesting because it was the University of Nebraska. Yeah. So, so did you matriculate directly from Adelphi University to the Nebraska master's program or was there time in between? There was a a couple of years in between. So I moved from Long Island to um, San Jose, California. Oh, Um, we had played softball three out of the four years. I was in college. My first three years we played in in San Jose at the, at Twin Creeks. It's it's, uh, Sunnyvale. I think it is. The San Jose state had a national invitational softball tournament. Mm -hmm. So we played three of the four years there. So when I graduated from college, I needed to grow up. I was um, the youngest of five. Both my parents had died when I was in high school. And I was afraid I was going to be too reliant on my siblings. And so I decided I needed to grow up. And I moved to California and went to work at the hotel we stayed at uh, when I was in college. Wow. That took a lot of courage. uh, That must have been a lot of growing up, though. It it was. I don't think it was courage. I think it was just... I had to do it. I don't really think, I didn't really think it was courage. It was just more survival. Yeah. It was just more survival. Not that my siblings weren't great people or all those things, but but I just, I just didn't want to rely on them. And my coach, my college coach said, Jenny, I was known as Jenny back in the day. Why, why California? Mm -hmm. Why don't you go to North Carolina or something down the coast? I said, cause I could be home in a day. If I go to California, I can't get home in a day. I'd have to drive home. That's going to take five days. I don't have the patience for that, probably more the gas money, even though it was cheaper, much cheaper then. Wow. And so, yeah. So I Okay, was... you, you don't have to call it courage. I would. Um, <laughs> so when did the idea of, all right, I've been doing this work, I'm here in San, but there's a master's program at 
University of Nebraska? What, how did that come about? I went with the original plan of becoming a graduate assistant softball coach for the University of Nebraska softball team. So my, uh, my roommate at the time became the, she was an assistant coach at San Jose State for softball. She became the head coach at Nebraska. Oh, I see. Rhonda Ravel. And so she's like, why don't you come be a grad assistant? You can go back, get your master's, do all those things. I was like, okay. And then I got there and I was like, I can't afford the pay cut. I had student loans and I had a car payment and I couldn't, I couldn't make it work. So I went to work at an insurance company for a couple of years. And then an opening occurred at the university of Nebraska under their legendary female administrator, Barbara Hibner. And uh, I was lucky enough to get that and started learning everything from the ground up, you know, at a big time institution. So pardon my ignorance, but I'm not familiar with Barbara. Barbara Hibner. Hibner. So she's legendary. Why? Uh, Because she was one of the pioneers of female administrators, Title IX. Um, She really looked out for for the opportunities that for girls and women in sport in Lincoln, Nebraska, at the University of Nebraska. And um, yeah, she's just she was she was an incredible lady Um, and very generous with her wisdom. I mean, you you learn you learn what to do and you also learn not what what not Mm -hmm. to do. She was tough. Um, She was tough. But but yeah, she was she was inspiring. Oh, that's great. Um, yeah, and you wouldn't think immediately Nebraska, of course, that's where you'd have a pioneering female person well, in sports. Well, in a way, we're all over the place, I think, or they're all over the place. I won't say we, but they're yeah. all over the place. Um, and you know, like Iowa, right next door, Dr. Christine Grant. Have you heard of her? No, I have not. So Dr. Grant was truly a trailblazer uh, from Scotland. She just passed away recently. I want to say in the last six months to a year. Uh Um, And she is, she was again, same type of person as Dr. Hibner, but uh, just extraordinary for providing opportunities for, for women athletes. Um, We wouldn't be where we are today and we still have a ways to go, but we would not be where we are today without the likes of Dr. Grant or Dr. Yeah. Fantastic. So, uh, you were in Nebraska, and then was the next move to back to California, or what was the? Yes, the next move was back to California to UC Davis. Can, can you talk a little bit about that? How that? Sure. So um, uh, Davis, UC Davis, was non-scholarship for the longest time, and then they were they were the giants of Division Two in the area dominating up and down all around. No, didn't really matter the sport. They're just, they were just dominant. And even um, though they didn't offer, even though they didn't offer scholarships, but division two, they could, you could make that happen. Well, they, they decided that they wanted to have some modest amounts of scholarship money. Like Mm -hmm. the first year was $2,500 a kid. That was like the max when the school costs, you know, 15 at that time to go to. 15 grand. Yeah. Right. And so um, I was hired by Pam Gill Fisher, um, who's a legend at UC Davis as a student athlete coach and administrator um, as their athletic aid coordinator. So that was my sole job was to help bring on the athletic aid program. We couldn't call it scholarships because 
that ruffled the feathers of the other side of campus. But, oh, interesting. Um, because scholarships should have been academic, academic. not athletic. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so we brought that in and um, that's kind of what started it. And then I became an, what did I become? Compliance coordinator, assistant athletic director. Then I left as associate athletic director after 16 years. And so during all that time, did you know that uh, I'm in the right sector? In other words, I love sports and managing and all the opportunities it provides people. I mean, did you, were you always fairly certain that what you were doing was where you wanted to be? For the most part, there's yeah. always been a part of me that wanted to look at tech. I thought I could, because we, we used a program and at Davis to track eligibility that was um, very tech oriented and involved all of our different departments from equipment room to training room to admissions, all the coaches and stuff. And I really liked that, but I just never could find anything that would equate that out in the, in the private sector. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are places out there, but I don't think I could have afforded that pay cut either. Um, so I, I always thought that maybe tech, but yeah, for the most part, I knew I was, I was in the right sector. I just wasn't at the right division. Okay. I didn't division two was, was good because it, it wasn't as business oriented as division one. And Davis wasn't even, Davis is nowhere compared to the University of Nebraska. No offense to Davis, but no, they know they're FCS, they're FBS. Right. And, and so, but even still, even making that transition in division one, which we did over the course of four and a half, five years, um, it, it, it changed. It mm. changed. Things be, became about just certain sports. Um, you know, the focus to make those two successful or coupless sports successful so that then there'd be more money coming in and whatever. And I just didn't like it. And mm. so um, silver lining of getting laid off. Um, and at the time, this opening, uh, an opening in the 3C2A happened as the director of membership services. And I remember being in the interview um, with Carlisle and George and, and the others. And um, I was like, he, he kind of asked, why do I want this job? Like, Right. Why would yeah. you go from UC Davis to, yeah. And I said, because this is more pure. This is what athletics should be about. It's really about opportunity. And that's our tagline, providing opportunity and fulfilling dreams. And it just felt more real mm -hmm. and more true. Mm -hmm. um, the other way, it's it's a business. Yeah, It's a business. And I don't care whether you're the Alabama softball team or the Alabama football team. It's a business. Yeah. Yeah, it's different. Yeah. So I do want to jump back because mm -hmm. you were in the World Series. Mm -hmm. and you, So can you talk a little bit about that? So what... Uh, you heard what me. Position, what position were you? Did you play? And I was playing shortstop uh, for for UC Davis. And no, I can't for Adelphi University. Oh, <laughs> did you want to do that again? No, sorry. <laughs> it's okay. I've been a lot of places. It's yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, so yeah, I was. Uh, I didn't start out as a shortstop, but by the time uh, we got to the, you know, I think the tenth game of the season, she realized I wasn't a catcher, and the shortstop was wasn't a shortstop, and so she she switched us around. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, we made it my sophomore year. Um, we, uh, went through Oklahoma city or I'm sorry, Stillwater. We beat Oklahoma state who was ranked third in the, in the wow. nation. Well, that must've been exciting. That was way exciting. Cause you were the underdogs we clearly. Were, oh yeah. We, we were 
just starting to play softball in March, if the field was decent, like if the weather wasn't too bad, and these teams are, you know, 25 and 0 at the time. Wow. Uh, but by the time we got to the World Series, everything's even, but we beat them. And then, yeah, and then we got to, we got two and barbecued, but it was still a great experience. Um, I, I will cherish that forever. I'm still friends with uh, my teammates that are on Facebook. And are you really? Oh, yeah. oh, that's and every wonderful. once in a while, you know, memory pops up from that or, yeah, that's, yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. It, it, didn't even have to win, but it was a great experience. Yeah. And I bet, you know, beating Oklahoma team must have been oh, yeah. just well, thrilling. Their, their picture was Michelle Smith, big, tall lefty. Oh, you remember her name. Oh, yeah. She was a stud. Of course, I'm going to remember yeah, her name. Yeah. And then we got two and barbecued. And I remember, and actually, I'm friends with Lori Sippel, who's the associate head coach at Nebraska. And, you know, it, she struck me out. I, I doubt I even. I doubt I even put put took the bat off the shoulder because by the time I did, the ball was already in the in the catcher's gloves. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's what it's what we do this for. I mean, yeah. This is it's a great experience. Yeah, that's fantastic. All right, so um, let's talk a little bit more about you, know, you coming to just. For clarification for everybody, the California Community College Association, Athletic Association, is known uh, by many of us, certainly here in the office, as the 3C2A, which is not easy for people to remember. So I hope people remember that the acronym and the way we say it is the 3C2A for California Community Colleges Athletic Association. So you interviewed with, uh, uh, for the position at 3C2A and uh, what year was that? That was 2014. 2014. Okay. And clearly you were offered and took that position. And what, what was your role? So I was the director of membership services. And so it incorporated a lot of different things. Um, And uh, most notably, the legislative process. So we have a very thick constitution and bylaws and people want to change it. And so I was responsible for coordinating that from start to finish. People would submit proposals. I'd organize them. Committees would meet, discuss them. I'd get provide their feedback on a document. We'd talk about it. Then we'd vote. Then make those changes. And um, kind of that was, that's it in a nutshell, but uh, and just for just for clarification, because we're in Sacramento, where the state capital resides, yes. when we're talking about the Constitution, we're talking about the 3C2A Constitution, which concerns all of the rules and, and policies pertaining to California Community College athletics. Right. Nothing to do with the state capital. Not nothing, but... Um, but yeah, when we're changing something, we're changing our rules and regulations. So numbers of contests, recruiting rules, eligibility rules, things of that nature. Yeah, yeah. things that often have a tremendous impact they do. on the sports mm-hmm. uh, and, and the students, they the student do. athletes. So what, what are some of the big differences that you noticed uh, from being at UC Davis and then when you came to the 3C2A? I mean... Anything, yeah. I, I mean, there are some obvious differences, but does anything stick out in your mind, or a couple things stick out in your mind? When do you remember when you made that transition? 
Yeah. Um, it, it wasn't as well. It's it, first of all, it's just different because it's a campus experience versus what I like to call an ivory tower experience, right? Because when you're on campus, it's a whole different ball game than when you're in the governing body that's overseeing what's going on. Campuses, okay. Right. It's, right. We don't, we don't deal with the same things that they have to deal with every day. We don't have a student athlete or a coach coming in, you know, with an issue or saying that they're leaving or, you know, whatever the, whatever might be, or a scheduling issue or a bus not showing up to take the team to, to, to the game. We don't have to deal with those things. We we're at the 30,000 foot level. So from there, that's, that's a little different, but to be honest with you, I, it was, it was, it was a nice break because the pace wasn't as frenetic um, that D1 compliance was just, was just harsh. It, I think I, I think I gained like five years of my life back um, when I came here just because it wasn't as frenetic. And, it, huh. and I just felt like, um, yeah, it was just, it was just different because of that, because it wasn't a campus. Um, yeah, I don't, it, it's hard to explain. It, no, it, it I, is I just think you just did. I, I mean, yeah, the, the pace has certainly picked up. Trust right. me, it's it's different. Yes. It, it's different. But yeah, the first six months or so, I was like, wow, I can breathe. I can breathe. Yeah. You know, and yeah. heck, we went to a River Cats game. It was like a professional development thing. Like two months after I started, I was like, this, this is, is cool. This is, yeah. this, is the, this is way better than you Davis, <laughs> right? And actually it is way better in my opinion. Yeah. It's way better. It's, it's, uh, I feel like we do more impact, you know, we're, we're, we're able to impact more students Certainly. because of where we, where we sit as opposed to, and not to say that those five to 700 student athletes at UC Davis or whatever campus you are, uh, the, not to say that they're not important, but I feel like we have a, a larger reach in our roles. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. So you were in that position mm-hmm. for 3C2A for quite some time. Then uh, your predecessor, Carlisle Carter, retired. Mm-hmm. And then you were named as the executive, the interim executive director and then the pandemic happened. Mm-hmm. So can you talk a little bit about that? I know it's <laughs> enormously complicated, but wow, that was uh, and remains an issue, certainly. It, it does. But uh, that was quite uh, an experience, has been quite an experience. It has been quite an experience. Yes, would not have, exp- you know, who knew that that was going to happen two and a half short months or yeah, two and a half short months after being the interim, being named the interim. Uh, matter of fact, I called Carl Allen, asked him, said, what did you know? Yeah, that's right. Right. What did you know? Yeah, that's right. He he had he had he had sources in China. That, he, had that, something, yeah, something. he had something that prompted him to retire at the end, yeah. of, end of 2019. But yeah, it was, you know, I remember. Um, going, OK, this is really happening. All right, just do whatever you you know whatever comes up you got to do. But the first thing we had to do was was stop our seasons, right? We yeah. were an hour away from basketball from our basketball championship starting. Like George and Mike were down there, everything was ready, and before we even got to that point, we already scaled back. We said no spectators, 
mm-hmm. you know, which didn't go over very well. We limited the part, the people that could be in the gym. So this is for the champions. This is for the basketball, basketball champions. Right? West, because what we, yeah, yeah. Yep. Because what we knew like the week, the beginning of the week was okay. It's, we, we didn't really know much. Yeah. Right. We knew a lot more on March 12th when we said we're done, but um, you know, and that didn't go over very well. It wasn't very pleasant for any of us to make that right. decision, but it was the right decision to make. And then we canceled our, we postponed our spring seasons that day as well, like about an hour or two after that. And then we, you know, canceled them, obviously, just like the rest of the world did, right? Our, everything stopped and we all, what we, as the state, the state and the, the county shut down later the, the next week. Um, and I remember sitting there going, what are we going to do? Like, how are we going to, what are we going to do without sports? Like, Oh my God, are we going to have to lay people off or, you know, Mm -hmm. make some changes? And then it was like, I think that lasted all of maybe 12 minutes. Mm -hmm. It might've been two days, but it's, it felt like 12 minutes. And then, you know, we got to work, we got to work figuring out, okay, we don't know how long this is going to last, but when it, when it gets to the point where we can come out of it, what do we need to be doing? We had to deal with, um, not deal with, but we were waiting for guidance from the state. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe they had a higher education document. They had documents for everything, but eventually they had a higher education document. So we had to figure out how we fit in to that, how we fit in on campuses, how our schools fit in on their campuses. You know, some campuses were like, we're fine, let's go. And others were like, nope, others still are not quite all the way back. Um, but, you know, we, we managed, we put together, I think it was about 17 professionals from across the state, um, athletic directors, um, commissioners, um, eligibility specialists, athletic trainer, people like that. And we got to work and we just figured it out. So um, nothing was more gratifying than 21, 22 when we, this past academic year, when we got to do pretty much everything as we normally would have. Yeah. The pandemic still has its, um, protocols in place or did for 21, 22, but that was huge for us to get back. And we, we did, we postponed in 20 to fall of 2020. We moved everything fall and spring sports to the, to the spring semester. Right. And, you know, we had maybe a third of our teams do something. Um, I think it was a lot easier for the spring sports because they were mostly outdoors to do stuff than, um, you know, the indoor sports and who can play soccer in January in February when it's rainy and cold. And, um, but also we were, the pandemic was in a different position, um, in May of 2021 than it was in February of 2021. Right. Right. In June, they, we kind of took everything off the table, but, and it's still here. We're, you know, and who knows what monkeypox is going to do and, and all of those things. But, um, it, it was, I, I was really pleased and touched by the work that all of our membership did. It wasn't not just the working group because yes, the work group was doing stuff globally, you know, for our, for our organization, but everybody was touched by this and everybody was working their tails off on their own campuses, right. trying to, to bring back athletes, student athletes, because we understand how important this is to them. Yeah, and, and you how, understand with, uh, with your background, right? Correct. Uh, correct. How meaningful it is. And are, right. are student athletes going to want to be students if they're not participating the way they had anticipated in athletics? Right. 
it's true. And then just general mental health. Uh, I mean, it's such a trying time. This has been extraordinary, extraordinarily difficult for a lot, for a lot of people, Um, no matter your age, no matter what you're doing. Um, And so, yes, athletics is, it's key to that. And um, I think, I, I think we've, we've done a good job of providing an opportunity. And even before the pandemic, that's what we were all about, right? Is that yeah. this is a means to an end. This will get you to a certificate or maybe to transfer to another institution, whether you continue playing athletics or not, you're, you're because we have eligibility rules and we require things that you, that you you need to do academically in order to continue playing. If you follow those along, you'll, you'll be closer to something. You'll be closer to that degree. You'll be closer to a certificate, to job training, to whatever it is, yeah. or even a four-year degree, Yeah, you know, and maybe even further things, you know, maybe you do continue on in athletics and you become, you know, a professional athlete because that's what you wanted to do. Right. So. Yeah. Um, another challenging subject that wasn't something that originated with, California Community College Athletics, uh, but confronts all California Community College Athletics and the individuals who work with the student athletes and at all levels is the passage of name, image, and likeness, otherwise known as NIL. And so what is your take on the premise or the idea or the policy of NIL and how do you see it? And what are you doing and, and how, how's it going from your perspective at our colleges uh, trying to implement uh, NIL and its guidelines? So I'll tell you that I embrace it now. I didn't always. Um, in the beginning, matter of fact, I assisted uh, government relations from the league in lobbying to get the community colleges pulled out because initially our concept of this was this isn't for us. This is for the Alabamas of the world, right? It's not, it's not for community college kids. But I was on a, the SP206 working group for, for nine months with people from our system and from outside of our system. And I learned a lot. I learned that it's, it's, it, is, it's about, it is about our kids. It, because they can't, before NIL, they couldn't even sign, sign an autograph and get paid five bucks for it. They couldn't advertise that they were going to give hitting lessons and use their name. They couldn't say any of those things. So those basic things, not to mention the kids that, that can act, they couldn't do that. That could um, model, you know, they had to, they couldn't, if they found out that they were going to model while they were in college, they couldn't because that would have uh, eligibility ramifications for them going forward. So there's all these things that are not the, you know, the, Alabama quarterback or the Cavender twins from Fresno state signing these million dollar contracts. This is more about being able to make some money off for your own name, image, or likeness, or your athletic reputation, being able to make an appearance at a birthday party and getting 30 bucks for it or 40 bucks for it. They couldn't do that before. Um, So I've totally come full circle with that. I embrace it. I think it's necessary. Um, we are we're we're just slowly but surely rolling out um, a, a technological solution that we, um, uh, we we named or we selected I should say uh, called Spry Accelerate. Um, 
And what it, it's a combination tool. It's an app, but it allows students to disclose their, their name, image, or likeness activities, their compensated ones, as required by the law. Mm-hmm. But it also gives them education so that they understand some things about contracts and about impacts on their impact on their taxes or their financial aid or how to brand or how to use social media, mm-hmm. um, things like that. So we're it's a two-pronged approach. It's handling the compliance, but it's also educating them so that they can then um, utilize their name, image, and likeness and help them. If, whether it's gives them money to buy food, pay rent, or for the save for grad school or save for the four-year school, whatever is chapter two, it, it's important. It's vitally important. It's vitally important that our schools um, and our membership embrace it and utilize this tool that they're they're paying for it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like I wish we could afford to pay for it for them, but we right. can't. Right. Um, and so they're paying for it. And so they need to take advantage of it so that their students can take advantage of it. And it will hopefully it'll set them up for future things. It might not even be... Um, for, because they're going on to a four-year to play football or volleyball, mm-hmm. but they might find a career out of this, mm-hmm. much like I found a career when I was washing socks and shorts at Adelphi mm-hmm. University, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so, uh, yeah, we, we, it's it's still slow and sure. We're just now getting started, but I I, I do think it will it will reap some rewards for our kids, and I do think that, and I've said this before, if we can get. 10 kids, if we can average 10, 10, sorry, I should stop calling them kids, 10 student athletes Mm -hmm. at each of our institutions, if we can average 10, so that's a little over a thousand, right? 1100 students. If we can get 1100 students to realize some money from their name, image, likeness, or athletic reputation, it's a a success in my view. And I'm presuming that most People who work at a California community college understand that this are student athletes. Uh, they don't get scholarships, right. and so finances are are certainly a, a concern. And so, at that level, if this does provide an opportunity for somebody to do a you know a baseball batting clinic for something, or yeah, it, it makes sense because I don't I don't think that the average person who's not affiliated with California community colleges understands that we are, whether it's football or volleyball or golf, they don't get, they don't, they're not eligible for scholarships. Right. Um, so that, that, that's significant. So in the, in the couple of minutes remaining, uh, what's on your plate now and what, what are you thinking about the for the three C two A and for California Community College athletic, athletics in the short, medium, and longer term? What are some of the well? This year we're going to focus on Title IX and celebrating the fiftieth anniversary of Title IX. That should be getting underway next month um, with some programming, um, social media stuff throughout the year, and then we have uh, signage to, that we'll have in all of our championships, whether they are for a men's sport or a women's sport or combined. Um, we are looking at revamping our constitution a bit because it's a little, uh, lengthy, little lengthy, <laughs> a little, uh, wordy, mm-hmm. uh, and confusing. You know, there's, yeah. there's conflicting information here and there. Oh, okay. Um, we're hiring a sixth position, 
Uh, we've had a vacancy since November of 2018. Wow. Um, tried to fill it before the pandemic started, and then it made no sense to fill it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that'll be going out this week. That'll be posted this week. We're oh, looking for an, yeah, an assistant director of operations who can assist with championships and communications and whatever else needs to be done around the office. Um, off the top of my head, that's what I'm focusing yeah, well, on at the, at the moment. But yeah, that's a lot. Um, reviewing and updating their constitution that in and of itself is a major undertaking. That's like a five-year, that's probably a five-year plan. And the yeah. other thing we're doing also is look as we, we had a strategic plan mm-hmm. uh, done right before the pandemic. Well, right. kind of, it was a year before the pandemic. And then we had the transition in leadership, then the pandemic. Um, and so we're going to re- take another look at that and see where we need to go. Cause it's a different world that we live in. Um, post-pandemic. Right. So it's not the same place as 2019. Yeah. And what about sponsorships or media opportunities? We are uh, turning over every rock there is. Uh, we are trying our level best to um, assist our marketing and media rights partner um, in pursuing opportunities for us uh, because we understand that uh, we need money to make things run. We want to enhance our championships, uh, championship experience for our student athletes. We want to take some of the burden off of our schools. If we can um, maybe increase the reimbursements or have some reimbursements uh, for competing in championships. We're working on a few different angles. Don't want to spill any beans because I don't want to uh, jinx myself, but yeah, Yeah. we're working on some things. It it needs to, it needs to improve and, we're looking for ways to improve it. Yeah. And there's a lot of people are very cynical about big time athletics, whether at the professional level or even at the division one collegiate level. And if you are of the belief that there is such thing as a student athlete and all of the, the corruption and massive you know television contracts I and mean, community college athletics is really one of the few arenas if i can use a you know pun or <laughs> metaphor uh, where you really get someone who loves softball mm-hmm. or golf or tennis or swimming or name the sport and they play because they love it they're not getting a scholarship but it's providing them an opportunity uh, also not just to shine in athletics, but to get an education and then maybe transfer. And um, it is a, the purest form that I, that I know these days. And it's very exciting. And uh, so, and and you, you know, you've done a remarkable job uh, getting the organization and 3C2A and, and all the, athletics at the colleges through the pandemic, the worst of the pandemic. And, uh, and then it's a, an exciting period and you're growing the organization mm-hmm. and, and uh, you went from washing uniforms of <laughs> athletes. So if there's anyone listening, who's, who's interested in sports and they're washing the players uniforms, who knows, maybe your future, you'll be the executive director of the, community colleges in, in California, the athletic association. So uh, Jennifer Cardone, any, any final thoughts? 
just uh, if anybody's interested in working for us or knows of anybody that's interested in working for us, um, please look out for that job posting that will be on our website here shortly. And uh, I really appreciate you having me on. Oh, my um, pleasure. So, so it's, uh, it's, the, it'll be on the 3C2A website, which is cccaasports.org. You got it. cccaasports.org. And you should check out the website and see all the remarkable student athletes and, and the organization and go to a community college sport, uh, sporting event. They're fantastic. Yes. Come so, out and watch us. Yeah. Watch the student athletes. They are remarkable. Well, thank you. Thank you. And best of luck. And we'll, we'll see you on the field or the arena or the stairwell, the stairwell of <laughs> O street. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Be sure to join us for the next Leading Community Colleges in California podcast for more inspiring conversations with California community college leaders on their own professional and personal journeys and on the most significant and challenging issues confronting leaders in higher education today.